You are listening to the Corona Diaries, brought to you by Allegra. For more information, please visit allegralaboratory.net. Hi, I'm Justin Spike again, a journalist in Budapest, Hungary, and this is my second journal entry. When I woke up on Tuesday morning in Budapest, I was living in a country where democracy had effectively been suspended. Nothing outside my window looked any different. The streets were calm and mostly empty as they had been the day before. No one was pounding on my door, and no sirens were wailing outside. But they were in my head, alongside Hannah Arendt's theory of the banality of evil, which buzzed in my ears all day like a mosquito. I don't want to compare what's happening in Hungary to Eichmann, of course. What we have here is more akin to another of Arendt's iconic works, The Origins of Totalitarianism, although the means by which totalitarianism is being constructed in Hungary through legislative loopholes, media buyouts, and politically motivated court appointments, is indeed quite banal. Who needs tanks in the streets when you can subvert a country's institutions through esoteric legal maneuvers? In my last entry, I outlined the extraordinary emergency powers sought by the Hungarian government, ostensibly to combat the coronavirus pandemic. The Emergency Act would give the government powers to rule by decree for an indefinite period, with no meaningful checks and balances, and would also mete out prison terms for those deemed to be disseminating so-called fake news. The bill, as expected, passed on Monday, with the governing party's two-thirds supermajority, and took effect at midnight, after which, it can safely be said, there is no longer a functioning democracy in Hungary. The usual suspects of government spinmeisters took to social media, wrote op-eds in European newspapers, and released a barrage of official statements defending the law as proportionate, necessary, even vital. But no one, aside from Italy's Matteo Salvini, was convinced. From Bernie Sanders to the European Commission to the United States Embassy to newspapers all over the world, alarm bells rang out over the latest brazen power grab in Hungary. Conservative journalist and historian Anne Applebaum called the emergency powers law a coup and called Hungary the European Union's first dictatorship. Personally, though, I get no satisfaction or comfort from the strongly worded warnings or expressions of concern from the Western world's liberal consensus. I've been covering Hungary for years, and I've heard the same kinds of admonitions more times than I can count. With every incremental crackdown on political and media freedom, the pattern is the same. The outrage of the domestic opposition, the pearl-clutching expressions of deep concerns by Western European liberals, and the cynical, condescending justifications from apparatchiks in the Hungarian government follow like clockwork. This time, they assured the world that the powers assumed by the government will apply only to measures taken to protect against the pandemic. But on Wednesday, only two days after the emergency powers bill passed, a cascade of resolutions were published which, of course, have nothing to do with the coronavirus. The government, for example, would strip mayors across the country of their decision-making powers and require the approval of so-called defense councils, which are headed by the governing party's political appointees. This would effectively reverse the major electoral victory the opposition achieved in October municipal elections. Additionally, transgendered Hungarians will no longer be able to change their gender or name in public records. The term gender at birth, defined as the biological sex determined by primary sexual characteristics and chromosomes, would be added to birth certificates and other identity documents, and a person's gender at birth, according to the proposal, cannot be changed to reflect a person's gender identity. I have trouble seeing how this measure has anything to do with protecting the country from coronavirus. 
Other proposals negate environmental protection resolutions passed by the Budapest City Hall, pack the supervisory boards of Hungarian theaters with government appointees, and grant valuable properties to a government-tied figure free of charge. Yesterday, I interviewed the government spokesperson about provisions of the emergency law which give the government broad powers to clamp down on freedom of speech and the press. His answers were less than comforting. He couldn't or wouldn't tell me, for example, who is responsible for filing charges against those deemed to be spreading so-called fake news, or on what legal basis such charges would be raised. He did admit, offhandedly, that journalists could be subject to the law, and suggested it is the job of the media to keep the public calm. Incidentally, that's not something I remember from my journalism courses at university. This firestorm of activity by the Hungarian government is clearly an exploitation of the uncertainty people are feeling because of the pandemic. The government believes, rightly, that coronavirus will provide them cover as they quietly dismantle the country's democratic institutions and pull it further into the realm of an authoritarian single-party state. Yesterday, I spoke with an independent journalist who told me that Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban learned a lesson during his first term as Prime Minister in the 1990s, a lesson he never forgot. The journalist said, quote, Orban once learned that if there's a chance, grab it, because it might not ever come back. The chance to create legislation that opens up the possibility of criminalizing journalists is now, end quote. The time for everything, it seems, is now. I'm continually amazed that despite the fact that nearly half of the world's population is being told to remain in their homes, the world outside is changing more profoundly and rapidly than at any time, perhaps, since the fall of the Soviet Union. The global balance of power is shifting before our eyes, and hidden truths are being revealed about the contradictions, weaknesses, and injustice of our political and economic systems. Coronavirus is not a great equalizer, as, as some have suggested, but it is certainly a great revealer. I assumed, when it became ever more clear that I would eventually be made to remain at home, that life would slow down and I'd have more free time to read novels, play my accordion, study Russian, and finally run a 5K in less than 23 minutes. But while life in the physical realm may have slowed and simplified, the world of ideas, policies, power dynamics, economics, and struggles for freedom and justice have, if anything, accelerated. It has been an utterly exhausting week, and I don't expect next week will be any different. It feels to me that we are gazing forward into an unknown future from the top of a precipice, with everything we once knew to be true already behind us. Everything except the eternal truth that there is nothing better than a long bike ride on a quiet road in springtime, something I plan to do this weekend before the first week of the rest of our lives begins again. <laughs>